We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the great pleasure of talking with Birit Lewis, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Birit Lewis is the author of the book, Aging Upwards, a mindfulness-based approach to the longevity revolution. The book suggests a mindfulness-based framework to embrace life after 50 with acceptance, self-compassion, and mental flexibility. Birit Lewis is the owner of Thriving Life, offering workshops, courses, and retreats in mental well-being. As well as being an experienced and accredited mindfulness teacher, she holds a BA honors in psychology, an MSc in vitality and aging, and an MA in communication and has carried out mindfulness-based vitality and aging research in cooperation with Leiden University Medical Center and Leiden Academy of Vitality and Aging in the Netherlands. Birit is Danish and lives in the Netherlands with her Welsh husband and two teenagers. Welcome, Birit. I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so honored to be here. So just in getting started, let me ask you, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it that you think that you don't? Oh, I experience getting older. I I, I think we all do one way or another. But for me, uh, the experience of getting older is just really just the experience of living. I don't separate the two. I think aging is living. And so the natural challenges and natural changes that happens in life, for me, that is a part of aging. Um, so, and I think internally it's about uh, getting wiser, learning along the way. And, and physically it's also a journey. Of course, there are... Um, are things that I uh, less able to do than when I was younger. 
well, actually, maybe I'm still able to do the same same thing, but maybe I don't do it as fast <laughs> as I did when I was younger. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm definitely aging, but I'm I'm happy to. So many women I interview say sort of the same thing. It's really interesting, and I don't know how long it's going to take the world to catch up with how things really are, because so many of us are internally fine. I mean, yeah, our bodies change and, you you know, you deal with it well or you don't deal with it well or whatever. But internally, it's yeah. um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the same. In fact, it's better. So that's, yes. it's really interesting. Yeah. So in this wonderful new book of yours and everybody, you need to get this book, Aging Upwards. You say mindfulness based framework for aging will be really helpful. Can you? Briefly explain that to us. And you yeah. really need to start with mindfulness, just in case any listeners. I, I saw that's so popular now, but just in case. Yeah, and you're completely right. It's it's a buzzword, right? Everybody knows about it, but nobody really knows what it is unless they try it out. Uh, so there's a lot of myths about it. Um, and it's also because it is a it's 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 a complicated thing because we, it's not something that we can learn alone with our heads and intellect from reading a book. It's something that has to be experienced with the body. Um, and what it is to me, if I was to say it in one word is awareness. Uh, you start often with something that helps your attention uh, because uh, I often describe it when I go out and talk, I say, um, I take a glass from one of the canals out here in the Netherlands and I come in and I have this really murky water and uh, I say, this is this is what our brains look like. It's really messy in there and it's always swirling around. But if you manage to uh, be able to to sit and, and pay attention and sustain that attention, and that could be anything from just your breath, which is the classic one, or feet on the floor, some body sensation, and you are able to sustain your attention for longer and longer, what will happen is that this murky water will start to, to settle at the bottom and, and things become a little bit more clearer and it's not so messy in there anymore. And you start to see, you see the patterns that you have um, taught yourself throughout life, these ideas about who I am I and what am I supposed to be, especially when we talk about aging, what are you supposed to do when you are past 50 and so on? So all these patterns that we tell ourselves are truth. We start to see them and you can step back from them and you can say, oh, is that really true? Is that limiting me from doing what I want to do? And and also you also see that we have some really strong innate uh, patterns in our brain, which is really the way that our brains have evolved is to keep us safe, you know, so avoiding dangers. And that means that we are running away from a lot of discomfort and pain and it will help us stay safe, but it will not necessarily help us um, have a, a mental well-being to and be happy. So once you start to step away from all of these things, you start to see the, the patterns and you can then ask yourself, is this who I want to be? Is this the way I want to be? act? Is this the way I want to live my life and respond to the world? And then you can say, maybe I want to do something else. So it gives you the freedom to step out and 
of this automatic pilot that we tend to live in if we don't actually become aware and uh, and make new choices. Uh, so that that's that's why I think mindfulness is uh, a brilliant uh, way to live our lives, and it's a it's a it's a tool and it's a way of living that allows you to to improve your life along the way. Do you think you can actually develop mindfulness without having some kind of a meditation practice? I think you can. Yes, um, a lot of people. You know, there are research out there who is like testing people's um, mindful traits. Like, uh, and some people are just more mindful than others naturally, or maybe it's happened in the way they grew up. Uh, so, yes, we can be more mindful without meditating. But I like to think that the meditation is like, um, it boosts it, I would say, because you are deliberately taking time out to see things so you don't so easily get distracted and caught up and you can you can practice in a safe place so a lot of mindfulness is also about um meeting the difficulties with kindness and compassion and that's hard to do if you're in the middle of life and there's people watching you and you have to respond quickly to whatever it is that's challenging but if you can go to your own safety at home and sit on your mat and re-experience uh, or investigate these emotions that might have come up in a previous incident uh, or the difficulties with worries and uh, thoughts about what could happen in the future and meet them with curiosity and compassion, uh, then you're much more able to do so when you are out in the real world and have to do it on the spot. So I, th I think it's definitely helping. It's helping me a lot. And, and my family's sometimes telling me if I'm, if I'm a little too responsive or too reactive, they say, I think it's time that you go and do a bit of meditation. You haven't been meditating for a while, have you? <laughs> so I they can them. tell the difference. <laughs> Well, I've um, I've been meditating for a long time, and you know, some some days it's quote successful, and some days it's not. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and and I have, as I was reading your book, I was thinking, can I don't I don't think that I could develop very strong mindfulness without a meditation practice. No. Because uh, anyway, I got I just got curious about that. So, yeah, yeah. Tell it. Talk about your own life and how that led you to being interested in the um, potential impact of mindfulness on aging. That's a really fascinating combination. Yeah, it's it, it's a personal journey because I, uh, 14 years ago, my husband was offered a job here in the Netherlands and we moved and... Um, I was very happy with the move at the time. We had two young children and very stressed life. Uh, and and I was, but after we got here, I was all of a sudden, oh my God, who am I if I'm not married to my work anymore? And I can call myself a communication consultant, which was what I did in my in my previous uh, life, I would almost say. Uh, and um, and that got me into psychology because I, I started to go back to university in order to create a new me, a new 
career, a new life for myself. Um, and at the same time, I also got interested in mindfulness. And uh, I went on a silent retreat for five days, and I had never done anything like that before. And on the, it was in order to learn mindfulness because I didn't know what it was at the time. And the teacher there said that on, I think it was on the second day or the third day, she said, I bet you all have some kind of physical um, challenge right now because your body is not used to sitting still for so long. Because what you do on a silent retreat is like 30 minutes sitting, 30 minutes um, walking meditation, 30 minutes sitting. So there's a lot of sitting and not, and that's not nice if you're not used to it for your body. And so she said to us, you have, um, you all have, maybe pain in your back or your feet or your legs or whatever. And I had on my back, my lower back was killing me. And she said, you have two options. You can either change the way that you sit. So change the world, change the situation. And if that's not possible, then you can change the way that you approach things in life. Uh, and so I tried the first thing and it didn't help. I couldn't sit in any other way that would help me. Um, so I changed it and I went beyond that initial, I don't want this pain, pain is bad. And I went in and I explored, okay, so if it has a color, what color would that physical sensation in my back be? Does it move? Is it still? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it, does it have a texture? And all of those things sort of got me to step back and, and explore my pain in a different way. And it was still there throughout the whole retreat. It was there, but I was able to let it be. And then at the same time, focus on my breath or whatever it was that I, I chose to do. So I got out of there and thinking, wow, this is such a fantastic ability because that's life, right? You can, you can so easily get caught up in all the things that's going wrong. And they are like taking over your thoughts and your body and your mindset. Or you can also choose to let it be there as part of life and not run away from it. Uh, and so that's what I started. I taught mindfulness and I um, became a mindfulness teacher. And then COVID happened <laughs> and all my jobs were cancelled. And, uh, and because I, my husband is Welsh and I live in the Netherlands, I'm Danish and my children go to American school, we are quite international and we always talk about what's a good life. And my husband and I always talk about where are we going to live? Where are we going to retire one day? And, and so I thought, okay, this is the opportunity to find out what's a good life. So I thought I'll go out and interview all these people and, and write a book about it. Um, but, and just around the corner here, there's Leiden uh, University. And I found out they had a master in vitality and aging there. So I thought, wow, I can, there must be some clever people there I can interview. Uh, and then I realized it was only one year, the master. And I thought, well, it's COVID. I'm stuck here at home anyway. So I thought, okay, let's do it. So I did the master. And, um, and as part of that, I did a, I created and I taught and I did some qualitative research into a mindfulness based course for how to cope with aging. And what I found was that these, it was all women who signed up. We have a tendency, I don't know why <laughs> you know all about that. Um, and they all got back to me and said that this mindfulness practice gave them another way of meeting difficulties. So instead of, because that was another thing I found when I was doing the studying, it was all about running away from aging like how do we stay young for as long as possible how do we avoid getting wrinkled how do we avoid getting 
you know, gray hair or whatever it is. Um, and there's not much research done on how to cope with the, the natural process of aging, which we will all go through one way or another. So I thought mindfulness must be the way to do this. At least it helps, and it helps everybody else just with different things. So when I'm teaching teenagers or when I teach people who's on the verge of burnout or stressed in corporate life and then teaching uh, people who are older, it's it's the same tools I'm teaching. It's the same life skills, but it's just different um, things that we're challenged with. But it works for everything. And that makes it just even more brilliant, right? <laughs> Which also means that the younger we start, the better we are once we hit 50 or 60 or 80, because then it has become a lifestyle and it's not as hard to start. That is just, that's wonderful um, thinking about how to get from here to there about you about <laughs> your own journey. Um, you talk also about the, the difference between getting old and growing old. Can you explain that? That's fascinating. Well, it's really related to your first question about us. We're all getting older, but we can choose to grow older. We can choose to let it um, inspire us. We can choose to use all our knowledge. We can use to be open to new things and not get stuck in our ways. That's what I mean by, by growing. It's that continuous curiosity continuous ability to step out of autopilot and do something different all the time so that we challenge ourselves. You run into a lot of pushback with this or do people accept it? So far it's been very positive, I would say. Yeah. I think I think maybe the people who who do not accept what I'm saying is is has not confronted me yet, but um, I don't know. Somebody asked me the other day if I was going to write another book, and I said, "Yeah, maybe one once I'm once I'm sixty and seventy, I I might know better. <laughs> maybe I was wrong when I wrote this book when I was in my fifties, because <laughs> I don't know how it's like, you know. So so I'm very open to anybody who who says otherwise and teach me something for sure." It will be interesting to see is I can't imagine why it would be, but it would is is mindfulness is the use of mindfulness in working with aging different at 50, 60, 70, 80. You know, are I would say my experience when I've teach when I've been teaching it has been that uh, it's easier to teach older people because I've well, I think actually, basically, I think it's because they had more time. So they were not, because when I teach it in corporations, it's usually to very stressed out people who are so busy and they would love to spend more time on this, but they simply don't have the time. So I think older people maybe have a little bit more um, space. And I also think that they have experience to hook it onto um, more than, of course, when you are I, in your early 30s or, or 20s even. So, yes, I think it's different for sure. Um, My yeah. experience in, in working with Prime Spark is yeah. I have um, on occasion 
talk to women. I deal specifically with women. Talk to women about it. And in a handful of instances, they've gotten really angry. And I didn't understand why. And finally, one woman said to me, Sarah, I don't want to think about getting older. Right. Oh, isn't that fascinating? So it's sort of like if we don't think about getting older, we won't. Just like we don't think about death, we won't die. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I could imagine that uh, younger people might not want to think about aging. Because yeah. it is, it is such a negative connotation in the world. I, sure. mean, I, I don't know. If, I don't think that's true of all societies, but it's certainly true of a lot of societies. I think you're right for sure. But and I can relate to that. Of course, it's it's the it's the future. We don't know what what can happen, and we all hear these scenarios. You know, we we see people who who's not living happy lives and suffering in a lot of ways. So for for sure, I can understand why there's a fear there. But the, the funny thing is that when we run away from all this discomfort, quite often we are just making it stronger because we can't push it away. It, uh, it, it like I often we've all been there, for instance, lying at night and wanting to fall asleep and we just can't sleep. And what we do is we constantly think, I don't want to think about it. I, I just want to sleep, go away, shut down brain and mind. And the more we get into that state, the harder it is to sleep and it becomes more and more suffering. And that in the book, I'm also writing about primary and secondary suffering. And the primary is all of these things that happens to us that's unavoidable. It's part of life. And then the secondary is all of these thoughts that we put onto it and all the emotions and the running away from it um, that's causing extra it's just adding to the pain and that's avoidable we don't have to have that but it's hard and that's why that's why i think we should learn this from i, I wish all children learned this at school because it's a it's a life skill that really makes life so much easier it's interesting when you talk about running away from i, I just suddenly was very sharply reminded of one of the meditation retreats I was on year, this several years ago now, I had even more intense pain in my back. I don't know why it was more intense, but who knows why. And um, I thought, I can't do this. Mm. You know? And I kept trying to get it to be better. I kept trying to, I don't want this. I want to, I don't, I want to be quiet. I want to. And I realized it was only getting worse. Yeah. And what I learned that day was if I go right into the middle of it, it changes. It, yeah. it moves around. Yeah. And it would even go away for brief periods. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, what a lesson. What a yeah. lesson. It's exactly, I think that's similar to what I was describing and, and experiencing for sure. Yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that that it goes away unfortunately. We can't meditate our way out of pain, but it it certainly makes it easier to to relate to. Yeah. I yeah. often uh, also I think I I wrote that in the book that it's a bit like having a, a small coffee cup uh and you put a, tea, a teaspoon of sugar, of salt in it and it completely ruins the taste of the coffee. But if you're able to sort of broadening out 
and let that pain or discomfort be there. But then also being aware of all the other things that are here in this moment. Then all of a sudden that salt is still there but it's dissolved into something bigger if, as if it was like a big soup bowl or something that it was dissolved in, into. And, and that makes it more bearable. Right. Yeah. So tell us about your distinction between successful aging and aging mindfully, because there's a lot being written now about aging successfully, successful mm. aging. Um, so how do you see that? I think the whole term successful aging is it's it's got a it's got a right within the academic world where they're trying to um of course develop something that's stopping illness or age related uh, challenges because when you're doing you have to have a like an intervention and you've got to be able to see the result of your intervention before and after but for people like you and me and living everyday life, I think the whole term successful aging is just telling us that we are inadequate all the time because we're never going to be successful aging because aging is natural. So, of course, we will age. And anyway, what's the alternative? That's dying, basically. <laughs> so then I don't want to be successful in that way. So, So I think... And also another thing is successful is like this objective thing. Somebody is telling me how to live my life. But for me, it's different to everybody else. Like we're all, we're all different human beings. And people tend to see people over a certain age. Oh, I hate also all these zoomers and boomers and stereotypes because we're human beings. And I don't necessarily have more in common with my fellow 50-year-olds as what I do with my fellow Dane or my fellow bike riding people or my fellow <laughs> people who likes mindfulness. It, it's We're all complicated people. And so the successful aging is, is telling us that we should do live our lives in a certain way and, and we can't. And I think that's shameful. So when we say mindfully, it's more about me being aware of what's good for me and what's helping me and how can I continue to contribute to the world? And that for me is mindful aging. It's my success. So I'm defining the, the term successful. Yeah, because successful aging, it, it, it seems to suggest that there's an unsuccessful aging. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, yes, and, exactly. Um, who, yeah. who of us want to be unsuccessful? I mean, yes, you know, so, yes, yeah. Yeah. And is it, is it something you, we, we can hit each other over the head with whenever we don't go running or eat healthy or whatever right. we do? Yeah. yeah. You used the words at some point, the longevity revolution. Yeah. Um, why? I agree with you. And why do you think that's happening? Well, well, the, the demographics are changing, of course, because we're living for longer. And um, and and I think there's, you know, there was there's so much talk about. Oh my God, this silver tsunami is gonna take our take our welfare society away, and how are we gonna afford it? But but on, but I actually think that we can see it as a catalyst for change. So I'm not just talking about those extra twenty years that we've been given recently, and for 
for us to live better lives in those years. But I'm hoping that it will sort of help us live our lives better throughout life. So instead of having these very separate phases of learning and working and retiring, I'm hoping that we can maybe mix them up on on a much more maybe even daily basis or at least yearly basis so that you can you can have some breaks in between when you're younger you can continue to learn when you're older and that way i think that we're not worn out when we are 60 or 70 we can maybe last for longer and we also have a much more sense of purpose and and ability to continue to contribute to society for much longer because we didn't wear ourselves out when we were younger. So I think it's 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 a golden opportunity to for us to like say, okay, we we're now living a hundred years. Right. We have to change this society so that it makes so that it's more healthy, uh, both for the individual, but also on a societal level and financially as well. So when you say that it um Mindfulness can help us on individual and also on a society level. Is that what you mean? Yeah, because so the mindfulness comes in in the way that we, by being more mindful, we're more aware of what's limiting us. We're aware of all this ageism that's around because it's so ingrained in our society that we don't even notice it. And we internalize these patterns and that's stopping us. It's stopping us from from continuing to live uh, long, fruitful, engaged lives because society, both people around us, but certainly also within us, is telling us that we shouldn't do that. And and all changes, when we're changing a culture, it has to come from outside and inside. And I think, well, we can't change the society overnight, but we can find a way to navigate in the society we live in right now. And, and then we will naturally also affect the, the, the people around us. And, and, and mindfulness is often thought of as like an, an inner journey. But I really think that uh, that's changing the world. If we were much more mindful and less reactive and more aware of our actions and more aware of what the world is doing to us, then it would be a different world. So, Virut, what's next? Um, uh, another book, maybe at some point. But when you when you look ahead and you think, "Oh, I really hope I can," or "I really intend to," or "A dream is," what what's there? Right now, I. I'm so engaged in what I do right now. So I can see myself doing that for many, many years and developing that. But my dream is that uh, it, it really ties in with also what I said earlier when I talked to my husband, where, where are we going to live? <laughs> because my my daughter is leaving this summer. She's off to college. And, and so the next step is, is, is moving somewhere, I think. I don't know. But continuing to do what I'm doing uh, all over the world, and and I hope to do more. I really love doing retreats. I really love to to get people together and build this really close community and teach and and help people 
inspire people. And I love to do much more of that in the future. So where that is, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, that's very exciting. Are, I'm sure you are, but are you aware of the Modern Elder Academy? I am, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. that would be a wonderful place for you to teach. It would, yes, but then I would have to go to America. <laughs> yes, you would. That is, that is exactly Again, right. Well, depends actually, where my children right are. Right now, it's in yeah. Mexico. So you, yeah, it, that's true. That's true. I would, oh, yeah, that to. would be wonderful as well. Mexico, sure. yeah. 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 <laughs> So, but that's another thing, you know. There's so many opportunities opening up now that uh, that uh, people are always, you know, crying over the empty nest. And yes, of course, I can feel that. But I also see it as as a brilliant opportunity to to do more new things. Yeah, just as you say that, what 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 it what it feels like is yes, and it's just a wonderful opening. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, in order to have something new, you, you know, that's every people say that in order to have something new, you need to make space. And it's making space. Yeah. It probably yeah. literally is making space, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this has been wonderful, Bereed. If somebody yeah. wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? So my, my website is www.thrivinglife.eu. Uh, and from there, you can basically get to all my other channels. I've got a sub stack that's called Aging Upwards. And uh, and um, yeah, that, that's basically it. Uh, go from there, thrivinglife.eu. So tell us what a sub stack is. Oh, <laughs> sub stack is uh, it's like a, um, it's a blog, but it's more, it's another kind of um, social media in the way that it's not about getting as many likes as possible, but more about writing, um, qualitative writing. And, and so you, you get a, a closer community that way. I like that a lot. Nice. <laughs> okay. So that's our time today. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Mireit Lewis. It has been charming. And don't forget, you can find her at thrivinglife.eu. So check it out and check out the Substack. <laughs> thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you all our listeners. Take care, spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com and get my free spark guide, seven questions to ignite your spark to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.